You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Gavin from the Art of Crime podcast. Katie and Nathan wanted me to let you know that they use some pretty spicy language on this show. So if that's not your jam or you have kids in the room, this might not be for you. Whatever the case, if you want to learn more about outstanding women in history, you should check out the latest season of The Art of Crime. It's a deep dive into the life and times of Madame Tussaud, one of the most celebrated showwomen of the 19th century. If you're sticking around for Queens, have a blast. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queens Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Let's get it started. Let's get, Let's it, get started. it started. <laughs> Hi, Nathan. <laughs> Hi, Katie. <laughs> of course, you have to get an intro. You have to get it started. <laughs> Queen's Podcast episode. Yes. yes duh. <laughs> Nathan, this is our first episode to be recording in 2024. Nathan, for our first episode of 2024, who are we talking about today? Maria Teresa. Yes. So who was she? Maria Teresa was the only woman to rule in the Habsburg dynasty in her own right as Holy Roman Empress and just all around powerful lady. If girl boss had a picture in the dictionary next to girl boss, we get Maria Teresa here. So yes. Also, Nathan, tell us about our first cocktail of 2024. So it's literally called the Maria Margarita, basically a cosmopolitan without the vodka and substitute tequila. Take that basic recipe of two shots of tequila, about an ounce and a half of cranberry juice, squeeze of a lime. I like to throw a little bit of bitters in there. Okay. Bitters always make you seem like a fancy bartender because <laughs> you're like, oh, I put Agastor bitters in there. And they're like, oh my God, it's so fancy. No, it's not. <laughs> it's just bitter. And you shake it up, put it into a cocktail glass and delish. I wish I could give my two cents on it, but longtime listeners of the show know every January, I do dry January. So I made... A mocktail, pretty much the exact same. I don't, I didn't have any bitters. Besides that, pretty much the exact same recipe, just with the Ritual Zero Proof Tequila Alternative. Because you know how like anything with tequila in it kind of has that kick? I was yeah. like, what is it missing? And I was like, oh, alcohol. <laughs> so I put just like a dash of cayenne pepper in it. Oh. But it kind of like replaced that kick that it was missing and it's really really good it's oh. it's delightful i think i'm gonna have a couple like the, it was really good and i'm not oh. gonna be hungover tomorrow <laughs> oh that makes one of us <laughs> um <laughs> so next up let's do some patreon shout outs liza griffin nikki and 
Aaron of Aragon. Aaron of Aragon. I love that. Oh. And then thank you so much to Chandler, Hannah, Sarah, Shannon, and Kaylee. Yeah. And obviously thank you to all of our Patreon supporters at every level. Plus just anybody that's listening. We love you all. We are obsessed with each and every one of you personally. Yes. On this season, we've been doing where we're letting our top tier Patreon supporters choose the topic. We are going to do one more, and then we're going to go back to our regular format for the rest of season seven. But Nathan, pick a number, pick a random number between one and 24 for us to choose our last Patreon of the season to choose the next episode. Hey, Siri. Pick a number between 1 and 24. They picked 11. 11. Okay, that is Patreon supporter Brooke. Brooke, I will be sliding into your DMs shortly. All right, Nathan, let's bring Maria Teresa into this world. Okay, so Maria Teresa was born on May 13th of 1717 in Vienna, Austria. So this makes her... Or sun, Scorpio moon. Yes. The moon in Scorpio gives like intensity, while the sun in Taurus gives persistence and practicality. And I I will learn more, but Nathan, just does this track or does this track? Yeah. Yeah. This definitely tracks because (laughs) she's got that royal mind that's persistent and practical, but... She's a hard-headed bitch. She's a little intense. She's a hard-headed bitch. She's a little intense. Yep. (laughs) Her parents were Roman, Holy Roman Emperor Charles VI and his wife Elizabeth. But if we want to get technical, her dad's titles were Holy Roman Emperor, King of Bohemia, Archduke of Austria, King of Hungary, and King of Croatia, which is quite the resume i'm tired just seeing all those titles (laughs) that's a lot of responsibilities Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) before we can even start to tell maria Teresa's story we need to tell the story of her family and it's a bit of a doozy so we'll try to keep it as concise as possible and we promise it'll all be relevant later (laughs) so the Habsburgs. oh maybe you've heard of them (laughs) That's lantern her... jaw. Yes. Oh, luckily, lantern we are jaw. past that in, um, yes. by the 1700s. That's her family. That's her line. So they have been major players in European nobility for a very, very long time now. Some Habsburgs we've discussed in this show, like one of Castile married into the Habsburgs. Her son Charles was probably the most powerful king, or at least in the running of the line. Mm-hmm. We had Margaret of Austria. She mm-hmm. was born into that family. So Marie Antoinette is also mm-hmm. a descendant of the Habsburgs. This is They're not new. They're, it's not our first time mentioning them on the yeah. show. Yeah. Lots of legacy. <laughs> yeah. Lots of loads of legacy going on. Yes. There. That's what we're getting at. However, by the time that Maria Teresa hits the scene, they're... Kind of, not kind of, but they're on the decline. Yeah. They're they're nosediving at this point. Despite all his titles, the family has lost all the land, the money. They have lost it for the last two generations or so. Steady decline, for sure. 
and they can't seem to make any fucking boys. Everybody just keeps having girls, which is a problem because this is history and history is a bag of dicks. Yup. Yup. And the Habsburgs have been continuously holding the title of Holy Roman Emperor since the 1400s. But now her dad, Charles, he's the last legitimate male in this line. Things are looking a little dire with no male heirs and a severe lack of money. The Habsburg dynasty ain't what it used to be. Ain't what it used to be. Oh, God, I'm sorry. It's true. But at the time of her dad's birth, the Habsburg family practiced something called Salic Law. And I don't think we've ever really talked about this on the show before, but you're probably familiar with the concept. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you've been listening at any point in Queen's podcast, we always talk about the uterus just floats around in her brain. And of course she can't make decisions because... That uterus is just sucks up all the blood from her brain. What? No brain thoughts. No brain thoughts. Just, yeah. Just thoughts. Baby's chocolate. Baby's chocolate. Bad in math. Cry. Just cry. <laughs> so many emotions. <laughs> Basically, the moral of the story is boys rule and girls drool. Yes. Because they're crying so hard. So now we have to do. Are you okay? <laughs> I love when you do the silent laugh. No one can hear it, but it's so gratifying for myself. you're welcome well thank you now we have to do some skimming because we want to actually get to maria maria Teresa's lifetime in this episode so yeah eventually eventually yeah it'd be good and when daddy charles became emperor he introduced a bill called the pragmatic sanction which basically said if you don't got sons a girl can inherit girl (laughs) Just like that. It's just like that. (laughs) (laughs) So them Habsburgs stay in power. And that's what he did for the entirety of his ruling. He's just literally going to leaders of different countries and electors to sign all these pragmatic sanctions. Yeah. That was his focus. That was his full-time job. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because he had a bunch of other jobs. Remember all his titles at the beginning of the episode? Yeah. Babies don't need jobs, but sometimes kings do. (laughs) They have a lot on their plate and they should pay attention to all of it. But no, you use the word elector. And I don't think we've ever really touched Mm. on that on this show before. So without getting too deep into it, an elector, what's an elector? In the Holy Roman Empire, the Holy Roman Emperor doesn't necessarily pass from father to son like it does in other ones. It's not a state of mind. It's not a state of mind. It's a real thing. Turns out... Shocker. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that. Whatever. (laughs) Technically, people voted on who the next Holy Roman Emperor was. And Mm -hmm. the people that got to vote were rich dudes from the duchies or whatever that were controlled by the Holy Roman Empire. And those guys are are called electors. He's bribing and sending gifts and shit to these electors so that they'll eventually one day elect Maria Teresa. So daddy wasn't really a great king at all he's not focusing on things like treasury or army or you know welfare of your people why would that be important (laughs) i don't know (laughs) he spent all his money on persuading people to sign into this pragmatic solution it was an obsession of his 
He didn't want his legacy to be the last legacy of the Habsburgs. That's what it was. Yeah, he was thinking, if I don't secure a peaceful transition of power, my legacy is going to be like the guy that couldn't make any sons, you know? And yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're all caught up and we're ready for Maria Teresa to be born. Any questions at this point? Any lingering confusions? (laughs) Well, so no questions that I don't already know the answers. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Side note that I just didn't know where else to put it, but I thought that this audience would find interesting. Her dad was a big old slut and we are pro slut on this show. So, you know, no no judgment because he did love his wife. He was very respectful to his wife. He was very kind to his wife. That was a loving relationship. But he did openly cheat just about any chance he got. And not just with ladies either, because he would talk pretty openly about that the love of his life was this dude named Michael Joseph. So there's that. Oh, Oh, so he loved that D. He loved that D, especially (laughs) Michael Joseph's D. So let's get the D out of the way and the politics out of the way. Let's just talk about Maria's childhood. Okay. Pretty happy from all accounts. She and her dad were very affectionate towards each other, which we don't always see because half of the time the dads never see their daughter. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually it's like, oh, she's born. She's a girl. Let me know when she's ready to get married. I'll be back. We'll sell some cattle. Yeah, sell her off to the highest bidder. Exactly. <laughs> her mother, Elizabeth, was said to be one of the most beautiful royal women of her time. And everyone said that Maria Theresa looked a lot like her. So she had big blue eyes, strawberry blonde hair, just all around fit the beauty standards of the time. So, Katie. Yes. Katie. Yes. Let's, I already mentioned this at the top of the episode, but were the Habsburgs the formulation of beauty? They were not known to fit the beauty standards of the time <laughs> historically. No. <laughs> they are known historically. They're just like reckless in breeding. I Oof. think reckless is a good way to put it. Uh-huh. And it was really common at the height of their power. They were marrying double first cousins to double first cousins, <sighs> meaning your first cousins on both your mom and your dad's side. So when double first cousins genetically are basically half It's like your uncle and your uncle. I, like, yeah, no, it just makes sense. Like, yeah, that's gross. It's not a family tree. It's a family <laughs> wreath. But luckily, by the time that Maria Teresa is born, I guess they kind of like got wise to like, hey, we're all coming out a bit not great. Because also they weren't just physical deformities that they were suffering. There was also like mental issues. Do you, going do on you too. think they learned from like Maximilian the 14th or whatever his name was? The one that was like the guy, drooling the on guy himself? The guy whose tongue couldn't. Yes. I don't remember what his name is, but I know who you're talking about. A guy that's like tongue couldn't fit in his mouth and he like didn't speak do until you think really they, late. they like, started to be like maybe this isn't a good thing <laughs> maybe i would love to do a deep dive into when they realized that the, that practice was self-sabotaging yeah, you know, the, yeah the line but by the time that maria Teresa's grandparents 
were getting married, they had abandoned the practice of marrying your first cousin. Thank God. So her grandparents weren't first cousins, and her parents weren't first cousins. So and wait, she's Katie. Cute. So you have your yes. cousins, you have your first cousins, <laughs> you have your second. You have your double first cousins. <laughs> <laughs> but they they weren't doing that anymore. Babies were cute. <laughs> and ba- surprise, surprise. <laughs> Surprise, surprise, surprise. surprise. When you don't marry your cousin. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Maria had two more sisters, and the three of them had top-notch educations for girls at the time. Music, speaking Latin, great manners, loving the opera, like I do. But when we look at the education she would have received if she was a boy, this education ain't that great. No, her penmanship sucked. Mm-hmm. She had no public speaking skills. I feel like there's a, when it comes to like public speaking, speaking, there is like a nature versus nurture thing because mm-hmm. some people are just naturally okay at it. But for someone who's gonna be in the public life, they should have started training with that when she was yeah. a toddler. Like you said, she spoke, you know, she was learning Latin. Latin was the language of the church, Latin wasn't the language that politics were done in and so why was she not learning french why was she not learning spanish you know what i mean she needs to speak the language of the normal people you can speak church language but dominum sanctu patri nomine (laughs) people weren't drafting treaties in latin at this point you know but one aspect of her education that was not skipped on was her religion she was brought up with the belief that if you're not Catholic, you can just fuck all the whole way off to hell, skip purgatory, <laughs> straight into the fiery pits of hell. Um, super anti-Protestant, super anti-Semitic, which boy howdy, put a pin in that for part two of her story. When Maria Teresa was about 14, her dad started bringing her to meetings of state with him. It seems like that's about the time that he realistically gave up on having a boy. And he wanted the people to start seeing Maria on a regular basis and get her used to attending political meetings and whatnot. Okay, Nathan, if we're gonna start priming her to be the next leader... What do you think that would also mean looking at her education up to this point and being like, all right, where can we make improvements? Uh, you, you'd think so. Where are the gaps <laughs> in her education? Should we maybe yeah. get her some French tutors? You've been trying to pass this law to pass on the kingship to a female, yet you're not educating the female. But now that he's given ah. up, now that he's given up for a boy to come along, don't you think he then was like, okay, let's up her education, right? I'm hoping, right? He does, right? You are mistaken. Hard no, hard no. <laughs> he starts taking her to these just to be a figurehead. So people are used to seeing her, like you said, but she, he does not start discussing politics with her. He does not start asking her her opinions. He doesn't hire better tutors. She is just a figurehead, not a ruler because uterus. This is awful. Because uterus. Nathan, what are some merch items we could put because uterus on? I feel like there's got to be. You could like, you could find just photos of historical women and put like 
X's over their eyes, like they're dead, or like uteruses, and just like because because uterus. I love that actually. That sounds metal as fuck. And and I think it it should be metal as fuck because women are metal as fuck. They give birth to babies. Yeah, that's metal as fuck. The, yeah, like <laughs> put a picture of Joan of Arc being burned at the stake and because uterus across. Yes. yes yes all right yes let's take five let's workshop this idea let's pop off our <laughs> drinks and we'll be right back another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I'm Helena Bonham Carter, and for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes, a new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk-takers. What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Enough with politics. When you have a beautiful princess, what's what's your top priority? Is it education? No. Um, Is it training them to be a good ruler? Uh, clearly not. Oh, is it finding her husband? Bingo, bingo, motherfucker! (laughs) (laughs) Then, she is 14, and she doesn't have a fiancé yet. Can we say spinster? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Since her dad doesn't expect her to actually rule when she grows up, He needs to find her a well-connected husband who can rule in her name. And when Marie is only about eight years old, the Duke of Lorraine sends his son, Francis Stephen, to Vienna Sausage. (laughs) I mean, just to Vienna for his education. Uh, But really, this is so his son can be considered to marry Maria one day. So Francis was 16 when he first comes over. Maria develops this schoolgirl crush on him, and she's, like, way younger. And when it comes to her engagement, this is kind of our first hint into the hard-headed Taurus this girl is going to become. You know what I mean? Yes, queen. Like, she is driven. (laughs) She knows what she wants as soon as she lays eyes on him. And she makes sure that everybody knows, I want him. That's my man. From the time she is a child. Something we need to know is that Maria is a daddy's girl. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, he wanted a son. We talked about all Mm -hmm. that. But it seems like that father and daughter relationship was very affectionate love it he talked to her they had a relationship they were around each other so it seems like emperor charles at least took what she thought into consideration her happiness into consideration how appropriate is that i'm not mad at that for a father to make it see if his daughter's happy before she gets in a marriage this is basic yeah yeah again <laughs> the bar is in hell okay But how did Francis Stephen feel about Maria Teresa? Did he want to be engaged to her? Honestly, he doesn't seem that into it. But the time that we really start talking about their relationship, 
she's 14 and he's 23. So it would yeah. be really weird if he was super into it. You know what I mean? Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. And over the next few years, anytime Francis was away from court, Maria would write him these long, emotional letters, as a 14-year-old would do, <laughs> letting him know that everything's going on at court and how much she wants him to be there with him, and she longs for him to descend from the clouds, and <laughs> they hold each other and clear from the mist. Like, it, it's just extra yeah and he how does he respond katie his responses were always pretty non-emotional letters basically the 1700s equivalent of the one word text his letters back to these long emotional letters are basically just like k (laughs) not a great sign not a great sign (laughs) yeah But finally, after years and years of bugging her father about it, in 1736, she was finally officially betrothed to the one and only man she's ever wanted, and the two were married on February 12th, 1736. Maria was 19, thank God. Thank God. (laughs) And the groom was 28, so... We've seen worse age gaps. bad but still weird she's and an I'm adult glad though. that he yeah he felt weird about it when she was 14 so i'm okay with yes this. yes <laughs> we're gonna have to do some skimming over some stuff but francis stephen had to give up his inheritance like he couldn't become the duke of lorraine when he married maria Theresa, because like just some stuff we don't have time to get into Europe had been fighting a lot at this time. Mm-hmm. And basically the king of France was like, I am not comfortable with the Duke of Lorraine being married into the Holy Roman Empire family. Y'all are going to form too much power for me. I got some fragile dick energy over here. FDE. Yep. And so before Francis Stephen could marry Maria, he had to sign over his inheritance as the Duke of Lorraine. Oh. So he almost didn't do it. I mean, because his mom didn't want him to either. Can you see how that would be? That's a tough spot for the dude to be in. Yeah. I have no idea if Maria knew about that aspect, but I'm sure if she did, it made her real anxious about it. Can you blame her? No, I can't. I mean, but also maybe they hid it from her. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, they weren't. She wasn't the most in-the-know princess, so yeah. Yeah, left in the dark. The princess of the dark. Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. Katie gave me two oohs there. That's a good... (laughs) Princess in the dark. Anyway. I give you the silent laugh, you give me the two oohs. We have our thing. (laughs) Nathan, do you love a big over-the-top wedding? Oh, I love a fancy-as-fuck wedding, y'all. It is time for one. Her wedding dress sounds fancy as fuck. What do you expect? Literally, her dress was made with silver, with diamonds and pearls sewn into it, with a really long train, and the groom also wore silver with a gold collar. And then after the wedding... There was a huge banquet. Of course there was. Because people love to fucking party. Of course they do. Because 
what else did they have to do? There was no TV. There was no TV. There's no social media. Yeah, there's no there Pornhub. Like, they're just gonna go home. The queen's there's no Pornhub. The the queen is throwing a the princess is throwing a party. Let's fucking go uh, to the let's party. Go. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't have any details of the wedding night, which thank God it means it wasn't like that bedding ceremony. But we have to assume they went to Bone Town. I mean, mm-hmm. she's been in love with this man forever. She's old enough. He's a young, healthy dude. We just have to assume. Won't you take me to Bony Town? Won't you take me down to Bony Town? Town. Yes, absolutely. Talk about, talk about, talk about Bony. (laughs) Yes. So, TLDR, I think they fucked. (laughs) And all is right in the world for Maria Teresa. Uh, and di- not only did they bone, they boned a lot. Often. Because <laughs> their marriage would be considered very successful because they would have 16 children over the span of 19 years. Her is... poor vagina. Her poor uterus. Her poor uterus. Her poor back. Her poor, her poor ankles. Her poor boobs. Her poor back. Ugh. Everything. Her neck, babies her on, back, babies her on pussy, and her crack. Babies. Ugh. Oh, God. Ugh. Could you imagine, like, to spend a third of your life pregnant? Yeah. Just pregnant. <laughs> no, that's... Ugh. Francis had no plans in being faithful to his wife. When Maria found out that he was keeping mistresses, it wrecked her. She was totally blindsided, and they would fight about it a lot. Yeah, I have to wonder if this is the first time in her life that she had like this rude awakening to yeah. reality. Yeah. Like, I bet the court never told her about that side of royalty mm-hmm. because her dad was always unfaithful and they just kind of hid that from her. And so she lived in this perfect little happy world. And so she never knew that she just saw that her family was a loving couple i wish somebody would have prepared her because mm-hmm. you know whenever it's these arranged marriages it probably doesn't hurt quite so much like if you if you marry a stranger and you find yeah. out he's got a girlfriend it probably doesn't hurt quite so much whereas this was like a man that she's been in love with since she was like eight years old you know what i mean i wish somebody dagger would. to the heart she was living her emo era she was having feelings she was having big feelings (laughs) i read a lot of people saying like that calling her possessive in her marriage but i mean can you really i don't really consider not wanting your husband to fuck other people as possessive but i'm also looking at it through like a contemporary lens you know what i mean yeah yeah but also a a taurus possessive what what a scorpio moon jealous what (laughs) (laughs) anyway despite all of this maria continued to love her husband very fiercely for the rest of his life and for the most part the good outweighed the bad they were typically very happy but they fought they fought a lot a lot a lot and more openly than other royal marriages of their time it's giving me isabella of castile because her and ferdinand fought over the same thing hmm yeah, yeah. And it, oh, it's so sad. She always loved him just a little bit more than he loved her, which is sad. Yeah. Ah, uh, anyway, <laughs> let's let's not wallow in depression. Let's not. Let's fast let's forward. Fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
After their marriage, they traveled some, but spent most of their time in Vienna sausage. I mean, Vienna. <laughs> Just Vienna. And, uh, yeah. Francis Stephen was not super popular at court or with the people in general, but not like Marie Antoinette unpopular right. like i'm gonna cause a revolution no. but precursor to that because that's her daughter yeah <laughs> yeah um <laughs> he was always like her husband was always tolerated because maria loved him so much exactly. which just seems like foreshadowing yeah <laughs> uh, uh. And we know she's a fertile myrtle. Like we said, they would go on to have 16 children. But in the first three years of their marriage, they've had three daughters. Sadly, all three pass away. But um, yeah, they, she's pregnant for a fourth time. And everyone is feeling pretty optimistic. And then her dad gets sick. Mm. Emperor Charles, on his deathbed, gave his daughter some real bad advice. Uh he said, look, baby girl, you don't know how to run any of this shit. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. I want you to rely on my advisors. Um, he basically just told her, rely on your husband. They are going to know more than you. They all have penises. So they just know more than you because, because you're- Because uterus. And all you know, bad at math, many emotions, cry chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, I wish when you laughed, you laughed into the microphone so they could hear how funny I am. All I hear is silence. I can't. I can't. Because it's, it's my silent scream. <laughs> but as she's, as she's crying chocolate because of her tears of emotion, he's like, don't worry your pretty little head. Just do what the men tell you to do. Yeah. And this is what we call in the biz of storytelling foreshadowing right because what she didn't know is that they had like no money no one talked to her about these things so she had no idea what austria's like financial situation was yeah they barely taught her a good education much less that austria had no army right and the army they did have was spread all over unorganized no uniform training programs for any of the troops. It was a disaster. It was chaos. It was bad. It's bad, okay? It's, uh... So, okay, you remember all her dad's titles? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Holy Roman Emperor. Not just a state of mind. Apparently he's it's elected by electors. He's got shit to do. As a Holy Roman Emperor, you don't immediately inherit the title, they have to be voted in by those electors, and they usually vote for the latest guy's kids. But they don't have to. They don't have to. And so all her dad's advisors were like, look, they've never not voted for the latest guy's kids. And all these people gave their words. So you're your father's heir. Don't worry your pretty little head about it. We're going to figure it all out. And clearly she doesn't know her history. Because if she had been taught history, she could look back at, remember, Empress Matilda? Mm-hmm. All mm -hmm. those guys told their her dad that they would support her. So if she knew history, she could look back at Empress Matilda of England's story and go, yeah, I love your confidence, but people fucking lie. Oh, 
Oh, oh, this is, this is giving me like, if Anne Boleyn and this met a story together, I would say, rest your pretty little head and speak your big sassy mouth. (laughs) Yes, I love that. Rest your pretty little head, speak your big fucking mouth. Like, tell us. Yes. She didn't have that. She just didn't know. You, you don't, she just had no reason not to trust that what these people were telling her was because her that's what her dad told her to do on his deathbed. Yes. <laughs> Hello. So she's grieving the loss of her father. She's big and fucking pregnant. So probably just a little bit emotional. Yeah. Dad's last piece of advice was exactly what she's doing. Trust the advisors. And that's when the shit hits the fan, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Oh no, this story can't possibly get worse. It does. (laughs) We are now entering a time called the Austrian War of Succession, which is exactly what it sounds like. She's in her succession era. She's in her conquering era. So remember how Maria had older female cousins. Well, their husbands thought that maybe they should be emperors. But then the King of France and the electors of Bavaria and Saxony thought that the Habsburg line was a little too inbred, finito, finished, done. End of days. Yeah. So they wanted to roll in, take control, and split up the land. And then this dude, which if you listen to our... Catherine the Great episodes. This is the second series that this dude's going to creep in on. His name is Frederick the Great, a.k.a. Frederick II of Prussia. So why creep? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to creep into the... (laughs) We got to do the hands. (laughs) Yeah, you have to do the hands. (laughs) He just thought it should be all his, which doesn't make any sense because he doesn't really have... Have any claim to it? Yeah. So yeah, he's just bulldozing his way in. For the rest of her life, Maria Teresa calls him, quote unquote, that evil man. And so they're not friends. Sounds like it. So Frederick II of Prussia, rabbit hole. Maybe something interesting that I think we touched a little bit on on our previous Patreon, but not that much. He was a war dick. Unlike the electors, he had no claim to any of the lands in Austria. He was literally like, oh, that looks like it's fun and easy to take because she has a uterus. uterus. I'm going to take Austria because uterus. And and he tried to take it. Also in this story, there are so many times in this story that it reminds me of Catherine the Great. And I think Catherine the Great was really inspired by Maria Theresa. So I thought that was interesting that Freddie of Prussia plays a huge role in both of their stories, just in opposing directions. (laughs) Yep. And Catherine's story, he was a big proponent and he like helped her get where she was. Whereas in Maria's story, he is that evil man. So anyway, reel it in. That was the, that was the Frederick of Prussia. Yeah. (laughs) So. Francis Stephen is like, we need to make some compromises with these people. What if, what if we gave them some or all of the lands they want just so that they go away and get off my lawn? Um, And Maria was like, are you even crazy? Absolutely not. 
Uh, and that literally surprised everyone. That she stood up for her lands like that? Yeah. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. surprise. But no, remember, outside of her marriage... Maria Teresa hasn't been an assertive person that we've seen, at least. Um, She's only ever disagreed with her husband when it came to relationship issues. But this is politics. And no one expected her to actually have an opinion and voice it when it came to the politics. Yeah. And I think this is around the time that historians say that she was accurately handed something called a turd sandwich. A turd sandwich. Austria was just a turd. That is such a scholarly word that I think I actually have seen in many (laughs) textbooks. Yes. Uh, Turd. Her advisors suck. Her husband doesn't want to. He sucks too. He doesn't want to fight like she does. And it's probably around this time that she realizes that Austria's joke it's broke and it has no army. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Yeah. And she's like, this is one of the most powerful countries in the world. Or at least Europe. You know, like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. How did this happen? How did we let this situation deteriorate to this? Like, what? Can you imagine, though? Because she's been, quote unquote, being primed for ruler for ruling since she was a child. But to have just, like the veil taken out from over your eyes and realize that I don't know shit about fuck. How did I not know that we were broke? I Because, you know, she's living in this palace. The country being broke does not affect your palace life. So she's just like, how do we not have any money? Could, let's talk about like, what she must have been feeling at that point. Do you think she's feeling maybe a little bit like a fast one has been pulled on her? Yeah, I would absolutely be like, wait. I yeah, I have this uterus floating in in my brain, but I, still... I can also understand that accounting money and not having it <laughs> equals I'm not in power. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is let a woman yeah. do her duties. Oh <laughs> like, my god. She would have figured it out. Uh, but it again, uh yeah, we're going to have to do some skimming again because we don't do that whole war dicking and strategy We're not, thing. And if if you're into that, there's other go podcasts. Listen to that. Yeah, th- go listen to that. That's totally fine. Yeah, we support that. We're gonna skip. But though. that's not our jam. Yeah. Uh, but what you need to know is that Maria and her crew are getting their asses handed to them, mainly by the Prussians because Prussia is making them weak, and it's. It's easy for other people to sneak over the border and attack them after that. Yeah, because their their little army is all faced on Prussia. And so that's when the king of France is like, they're not paying attention. So let's sneak in. Uh, and just like, they're being attacked on all sides. Fucking and- France. Mm. Fucking France. We. <laughs> <Oui. laughs> they are losing allies and they're losing what money they have. And it's not looking good. And I have to imagine Maria Teresa is pretty down on herself. I I feel like she's devastated. Mm-hmm. Like her whole dad's legacy that was built on this pragmatic solution yeah. was supposed to be this peaceful transfer of power and it had gone to shit. Yeah. But then there's a ray of light. <gasps> In March 1741, six months after her dad died, 
She had a baby boy, and he was healthy because the baby. Cause boy, you baby... Out my mind, fill my regency. I didn't even have to sing it myself. <laughs> it's beautifully done. Yes, yes. But it's healthy. Like her other children didn't survive yet. But this one seems mm-hmm. like he might he might yeah. live. He might make it. And this puts the winds back in her sails. And it gives her this boost of confidence because what was this whole war caused by? Because the Habsburgs didn't have a son. And guess what? She has a baby son. Yes. Guess who's got a son now, baby? Bitch. (laughs) Love this for her. Okay. Let's take a quick break and see what our girl can do now that she's got her confidence up in just a minute. Be right back. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, in St. Augustine. So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Hello, everyone. It's Takuya here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. So we're back. Now, remember, Maria Theresa is also queen of Hungary, except Hungary didn't have a term for a female leader. So she was the king King of Hungary. Who was who was the girl kings we've had? We had Christina of Sweden was the girl king because they didn't have. Yes. And then there was Jadwiga of Poland. Right. Mm -hmm. So she's our she's our third girl king. We don't have a gender neutral term for... I guess, no. It was a different time. It was a different time. Oh. Yeah, I know. So sad. And I guess, I think Amina was also the female king, too, right? Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What a club. Good job. Good job, Katie. She did a hair flip. She did a hair flip, as she remembered. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, back, back to Maria Theresa. She's the queen of Hungary. And while Hungary hadn't thrown straight up support for her they also hadn't allied with anyone else or did anything to hurt her claim exactly so she writes hungry and she's like hey should we like make this official should we do like a coronation (laughs) and should we make it official on facebook yes (laughs) and hungry's like yeah sounds fun come over get crowned we'll see what happens we'll see where this goes 
Yeah. This would have been both really exciting to Maria Teresa and also nerve-wracking at the same time. Because, okay, exciting because Hungary appears to be accepting her as their ruler. And Hungary's army is in a good shape. And she could maybe get some support on the battlefields from that. However, the Habsburgs hadn't always been super nice to the Hungarians. Mm -hmm. And Maria may have been nervous that they're like calling her over just to make a joke out of her. Like, to kind of make a joke out of her coronation, or worse, get her into the country and then say they're siding with Prussia or something like that and keep her hostage or something. So it was... Yeah, no, it's, it's real. Yeah, yeah, it was a gamble for her to go over there. It took, it, it took some big clit energy to get the yeah. courage to go over there, for sure. And Maria realized pretty quickly at this point how shitty the education she had was, and... She was supposed to be these next ruler of all these lands, but she didn't know what to do because her father had insisted that, you know, horseback riding not ever be a part of her education because it wasn't a quote unquote ladylike thing to do. I hate that term. But uh, me too. Uh, We're going to get into it in two sentences. (laughs) Uh, But guess what? Horseback riding is a big thing in the Hungarian coronation. Yes. it's You spend half the coronation on a horse. And so in the three months, she had her son in March and she had her coronation in Hungary in June. So Maria trained day in and day out on how to properly ride a horse for this coronation. Lucky for her, the coronation language was Latin. So she was okay there. But... <laughs> uh, but To make things even harder when learning how to ride a horse and do all this stuff that she was so unfamiliar with, she had to learn how to do it side saddle. Oh. It reminds me of that quote. What is it that um, Ginger Rogers had to learn everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in heels? So it's like. Preach, preach. Because, okay, girl, I went horseback riding like a week ago. I did it full on saddle. Did Did you ask if you could do side saddle and they said no? (laughs) <laughs> no because i wouldn't want to do it because it's it's so much harder yes. like that's not that's not easy to do mm-hmm. because you have to hold yourself up in a weird way that is horseback riding just because is hard as hell when you don't have the handicap of not having not being able to sit on it properly yeah it's hard as hell yeah it's challenging like, enough it's... the normal way my my butt was sore, my legs were sore, and I sat on that thing just right, and only for an hour. Yeah, <laughs> she must have been miserable. I did trying to learn that. I did horseback like, riding oh. a lot as a kid, but then I quit when I was about fourteen, fifteen, and then probably about five or six years ago, went horseback riding for the first time as an adult. The muscles in my back were so sore. It's a lot of work. What she should have been doing her entire life as the heir, she's now having to do like a crash course in the etiquette behind riding this horse for this coronation in three fucking months and inside saddle. Yeah. But guess what? All that hard work pays off. By the time she got to Hungary, her coronation for everyone was so amazing and they were so impressed by how well she had mastered all of these customs and their ceremonies. She was... 
she was doing it right. And this gives me Empress Wu vibes of like, you know, conquering the male dominated yeah and making you my bitch bitch. (laughs) like that's what it feels like it feels like she was just being really respectful of the culture yes and uh i didn't have time maybe like not all of her forefathers had taken the time to go out of their way to do it so perfectly and this coronation was no fucking joke either the ceremony required her to be crowned in this uh, church with the crown, like, I think they still do this in Hungary, the crown of St. Stephen, which I have a link if you want to have a look at it. I can put it on Instagram. It weighs four and a half pounds on its own. The crown of St. Stephen. Um, Ouch. Ooh. Okay. So it's got a little wonky cross. Yeah. And it's got those things, like the gold chains hanging off of it. it. Uh, four and a half pounds doesn't sound like a lot when you first think about it, but think about that you're wearing it for hours and having to like walk straight up and like not complain. And she's also wearing these heavy robes. She's also wearing whatever she was just wearing that I'm sure, you know, is heavy. So then she gets on the horse and she's given this heavy ass sword. And so the reason she had to train for this horseback riding for so, and like be so perfect with it is because what she had to do as part of the coronation after she gets crowned is ride up to the top of this hill on a horse wearing the crown, the robes, carrying a sword. She has to get to the top of the hill and point the sword to north, south, east, and west to signify that she's going to protect all corners of Hungary. So... So extra. So extra. But it's June <laughs> and Hungary. I don't know if it's the same because of global warming, but right now in June and Hungary, it can get up to 90 degrees. Uh, can you but imagine? Even, even a five degree difference, 10 degree difference, 90 degrees is... 80 degrees is way too much. That's no. fucking hot. And she's got on these layers and then she's probably sweating because she's fucking nervous as well. So to, like, do that and do it perfectly to where people were still talking about it hundreds of years later. She looked flawless the entire time. Flawless, yes. Sweating her tits off the entire time. <laughs> That's under okay. Under the ropes. Yeah. <laughs> up the hill. <laughs> people were obsessed. People were I like, okay. <laughs> I, think, I think they kind of, like, I feel like they were halfway expecting her to fail, you know? Yeah, they they yeah. came into this being like, oh, this girl's going to fall down the hill. And Let's see what not... happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she was a fucking hit. She yes. was a fucking hit. Riding on that popularity, everybody's impressed. Maria took a gamble and asked Hungary to help her in the fights for her lands. Now, this story is probably exaggerated, but you know what we love here at Queen's Podcast? drama so let's even though this is probably not exactly how things went down let's pretend they did uh (laughs) what they say is that so she approaches the hungarian diet that's not a food group no it's not it's not like low carb or anything like it's uh like what they called like their parliament or whatever so she has her newborn son in her arms and it said that she stands in front of this group of like 100 really important dudes and is weeping and like holds her son above her head and is just like 
Will you fight for me? Will you fight for your future? Wow. Wow. And she's like, brave Hungarians, please, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, so that's the story, how true it is. Who knows? But it it would make a good movie, you know? And even, or if not, the Hungarians were into it. They're dramatic. They're like, yeah. And they were like, okay, this bitch is here for a soap opera TV royalty show We're now. into it, yes. Yes. <laughs> and eventually they agreed to send troops and she became really popular in Hungary, which not many of her ancestors had done before. Yeah, I mean, until like Empress Sisi, maybe not mm-hmm. a whole lot, you know? So we're leaving a lot of diplomacy out because she did have to, you know, like agree to certain like concessions and like um, helping them build schools that taught Hungarian history in Austria and stuff like that, too, which is pretty cool. But TLDR, she now has those brave Hungarians fighting for her, which hell yeah. Yeah. And so once again, we're going to do some skimming yes. because it's wartime. Yes. And we just don't like that. Yes. Because once again, we'll do some skimming because after this, the war of Australian succession went on for seven years. Ugh. And she was crowned queen. I'm, I mean, er, uh, does not compute. <laughs> King of Hungary. Uh, she had legitimacy behind her. Mm-hmm. Other countries saw that and they started joining her and saw this less as a gamble because Great Britain, Great Britain and Russia join her and give her money and troops. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, the next couple of years, it's uh, fighting, 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 war, 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 babies, babies, babies. Between oh, seven- this sounds awful. I know. <laughs> Between 1742 to 1745, which were the bloodiest years of the conflict, she had three more babies, Maria Christina, Maria Elizabeth, and Joseph, and they all survived childhood. Yay! Yay. But yes, that is, uh, all her daughters at this point are named Maria, and all her sons at this point are named Joseph. What could go wrong? This Uh, is fine. (laughs) uh, Just see the burning room with the dog. Just like, this is, we just name our children the same name. Christina, or um, Mar- Maria and Joseph. That's fine. <laughs> it's not like there's a lot of them or anything. Yeah, right? <laughs> Maria liked to tell anyone who would listen that if she wasn't constantly big and pregnant, she'd like to be out on the battlefield with her men. Not to fight, but just to show support. So, this is totally giving me Isabella of Castile vibes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder though if if she actually read up on Isabella Castile, if she looked back. I have a feeling that you know when she was doing her own self taught education, I think she did probably like. I was like, okay, who are some other female rulers that I can look at? Um, and Isabella Castile, you know, like made her made herself present. Catholic as fuck. Catholic as fuck. <laughs> made herself present. Didn't like Jewish people. Again, we'll get to that in part two. So, yeah, I think so. She's reading history books. She's learning geography. She's reading all her dad's old correspondence. This is the re-education of Maria Theresa. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
she's bringing in tutors to help her with her languages, to help her with her penmanship, to help her with her public speaking. Like she is, um, she's like, I'm going to have to teach my damn self and that's okay. Yeah, because my dad didn't do it for me. Mm-mm. So she did. Yeah. She didn't learn so much about religious tolerance, which um, that's something you do need to know about. She had no interest in learning what any of her possibly non-Catholic subjects tried to believe. Enlightenment? I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that with the anti-Semitic stuff is coming in. Part yes, two. yes. <laughs> in 1742, another dude was crowned Holy Roman Emperor, and he was Charles the Seventh. And then there was some more fighting. I know we still don't talk about battles, and we still don't talk about strategy. But there's just still some more drama. I actually like which, this part. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> while Charles VII was being crowned Holy Roman Emperor in Frankfurt, not Frankenfurter, um, Maria's army did a surprise attack in Munich on that same day because she loves the drama. It's drama, and it's smart that she was like, yeah, I everyone's going to be distracted. So that's when we should do it's a surprise like, It's attack. like that soap opera whenever it's someone's wedding day. And yes. And some drama comes yes. out. Like, she's been sleeping with so-and-so. It's just literally like that. It's very <laughs> dramatic. So the other dude getting crowned. The other dude getting crowned. Um, it's her cousin's husband. So remember how she had the older female cousins? It's her husband. That was like a huge blow to Maria to Maria's ego. But that's okay. Because that dude died two years later, so okay. it was very long, <laughs> which is that was very convenient for Maria Teresa when he died. <laughs> Maria wasn't paying them bitches no mind. She's like, okay, they are clearly not ready for me to rule in my own right, but you know who they love appointing as a holy Roman emperor? Who? Boring rich dudes. Oh, yeah, she's married to a boring rich dude. So Maria starts writing letters and signing peace treaties and convinces a lot of people, namely Bavaria, to stop fighting. And she convinces them to elect her husband, Francis Stephen, as the next Holy Roman Emperor. And she promises that once he becomes Holy Roman Emperor, they're not going to hold any grudges against anybody that voted for him that fought against them in the early years of the wars of succession, which is smart because she could be like, no, Dracarys, let's burn this shit down. She could pull an Olga, but she was like, let's figure out a peaceful way forward. Yeah, because it's kind of implied that no, Francis Stephen would not actually be the one in power because after his weak response to the war at the beginning, she didn't trust him to actually run this. Mm-mm. She still loved him dearly and needed him to act as a puppet while she wielded power from backstage. But no, she didn't plan to make him have any decisions over anything. Shh, honey, the grown-ups are talking. Like, here. <laughs> Here's a mistress. Go play with that. No, she wouldn't have done that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that happened a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1745... Francis Stephen becomes Francis I, Holy Roman Emperor. The war would go on for three more years, but really, uh, this was the end of the major conflict. 
And though she lost some of her lands, Maria came out the other side of the war with most of her lands intact. And she is still, quote unquote, King of Hungary, Archduchess of Austria, Queen of Bohemia, Grand Duchess of Tuscany, and now the consort, Holy Roman Empress. I I would just take Queen of Bohemia and just walk La away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just walk I, away. I would just be a Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody. Yes. And by 1748, at age 31, she's now ready to finally run her empire after how many years? Of I know, right? <sighs> and I think, I think that's where we're going to leave her off for now. We'll go ahead and leave her. Okay, we'll catch you back in a couple of weeks. So bye, everybody. Bye. Cheers, bitches. <laughs>